most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, April 26th, 2022, the 461st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. We are 24 hours, more or less, give or take, into the complete and total meltdown about the announcement that Elon Musk will be purchasing Twitter for $44 billion. The freakout is in full bloom, and there's actually two freakouts going on right now, and it's important to recognize both of them. There's the normal Blue Anon conspiracy theorist freakout, all of the very smart and very elitist, well-connected establishment, quote-unquote, journalists and celebrities on Twitter, and they're having their own collective freak out because they know what's going to happen when dissenting voices come back to that platform and they no longer have their safe space. And that reaction was exemplified in no better way than by Ari Melbert on MSNBC last night. Get a load of this own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Now, people think I'm joking when I talk about these people living in an alternate reality, a false reality, but they really are in an entirely false reality. In the real world, all that stuff has already happened. And the thing is, Ari Melber knows that because he knows what the platform is capable of. If nothing else, he just proved that in that little segment. You can shadow ban or ban people from one party or another. You can take candidates right off the platform altogether. You can turn down their voices and turn up other people's voices a little bit, just a little bit here and there. So he knows it can be done. He also is implying at least that it would be bad to disqualify the other side's candidates. While all of them are pushing to have people like Madison Cawthorn and Marjorie Taylor Greene 
disqualified so they can eventually disqualify Donald Trump all on the basis of the very violent insurrection. But I guess that Ari Melber ascribes to the principle that going around the system to remove other people's candidates is generally a bad thing. I mean, not in the instances where it works to benefit his side, but generally he understands that that is something that people in free society should not be doing on the regular. And of course, nothing could be more obvious than the fact that that was exactly how Twitter was used in 2020. And obviously, I'm not the first to point that out. Pretty much everyone is making that connection, which is why this little video clip is so effective for us. I don't know what Ari Melber was thinking by doing this segment. Either he is just a plant and he is trying to red pill communists on our behalf, but there's not really any indication that Ari Melber is that sort of person or capable of really doing that. So while I'd love to give him the benefit of the doubt, that's a little bit too complicated, a little bit too out there for me to just simply accept. But who knows? Maybe that'll be proven in the future. So let's go ahead and assume the worst of Ari Melber because he is an MSNBC host that regularly lies to the American public every night. So we can assume that he's following in that pattern by making this little segment right here. And if we're going to go with that assumption, then what he's actually doing is really cruel. He's basically saying his audience is so stupid that they're just going to accept this narrative and go along with it. And unfortunately, we're talking about people who still watch MSNBC in 2022. So he's probably right. He's going to intentionally make his audience dumber and crazier just to keep them connected to the central narrative. So now the powers of Twitter and the other social media sites to censor and to influence public opinion should be seen as a life changing threat to everyone who watches MSNBC. And they're going to understand that their safe space has been invaded by the no-no people. And this is one of those instances that's arising where I say they have no principles. They don't believe bad things happen. They don't believe any of that stuff is a threat to them personally, except when you ask them, right? They will put out this public persona, this public belief system where all of that stuff was just neutral until today. None of the censorship, none of the propaganda, none of the banning, the shadow banning, none of the influence, none of the shutting down of public conversation about important issues like the facts about the coronavirus or the vaccine, like Hunter Biden's laptop. The censorship is just fine when it comes to that stuff. They know the censorship regime exists. They know what the tools are capable of, but all of it is okay because their needs are being served. There is no underlying principle that extends to both sides. The only principle is whatever helps them in a given moment. So none of this stuff is bad until you ask them and you say, hey, commie, 
don't you understand that these censorship tools can be reversed and influence you in a negative way, in a way that you don't like? And they'll say, yeah, of course we know that. But that's why we have to be extra watchful. We're going to make sure that they only use these very powerful tools when it comes to disinformation and misinformation and malinformation. And I guess malinformation must be information used just for the purposes of evil. And of course, that wouldn't include information about how your three-year-old is at some grave risk of harm from the coronavirus, and therefore you should get one of our very safe and very effective vaccines put right into that little baby's arm. Not malinformation like that. And then you ask them like, hey, Kami, I know you censor yourself all the time. You cannot possibly really believe all the things you pretend to believe online. And I know that you understand that your side of the political spectrum kind of goes a little far a lot of the time, right? You know, the whole teaching gender identity and alternative sexual lifestyles to children. That's taking it a little far, don't you think? So let's just say that one of these times in the next few days or few weeks or few months or however long it takes you to wake up to one single relevant issue in your life, Kami. Let's just say there's a possible world where at some point you might have some principle that you might be willing to stand up for. You might one day think, wow, you know what? I've tried as hard as I can to support these people. I thought I was doing the right thing, but they've just gone too far and I have to say something about it. Well, hey, Kami, at that moment, you say something about it. All those tools that you have supported for all this time, well, they could be turned on you. And then, Kami, it could be your life affected by those tools. You understand that could happen, right? And they'll say yes, and then they'll just simply move on. Because right now it's not happening to them. It's happening to the people not like them. The people like them are just fine. And that's what's important to people like them. They don't expect to break the rules. They've been obedient and compliant this entire time. What could they possibly get in trouble for? They are good little soldiers of the state. They will say whatever the state asks them to say. They are the most useful possible idiots. And because they are so committed, they don't worry that these tools might ever be turned on them. At least until you ask them. And when you ask them, when you really break it down, when you have a conversation with them, they will understand that those tools are dangerous and can be turned on them. But that doesn't matter until it happens or until there's a real threat of it happening. And now they believe they've reached that point. Hence the freak out. They've already been convinced that this 2022 midterm is probably going to be a bloodbath for them. The only way that they're going to retain any power in the American government under, you know, their picture of things, not understanding anything else that's going on other than what the television tells them. 
They understand there's this hugely important election. If they don't win, all of the no-no people are going to come back in and the no-no people might take over everything. This might be the end of our democracy. And so they are catastrophizing Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter because Elon Musk is now going to shift the politics against them just by his manipulation of Twitter. And then they'll lose. Then they'll have something to blame. They have found a new boogeyman. This might even be better than the QAnon boogeyman. The new Twitter plus QAnon. Oh, gosh. What could be more horrifying than Elon Musk, an African-American billionaire, owning their favorite tool for communication and allowing all those filthy QAnons on there? And I posted yesterday on Truth Social, you know, I talked last week, I think, about how Twitter is basically the death star for the regime. This is the most powerful weapon. This is what it's all about for them. And what would it be like if rather than Luke Skywalker flying his little mission and flipping his plane over and over and shooting at things, Star Wars dorks are going to be so mad at me. But what if rather than destroying the Death Star, all the rebels had just simply taken it over? That's about what we're dealing with right now with Twitter. If and only if Elon Musk can be trusted to do what he says he's doing. Okay. And I know a lot of people have doubts about that. And I think those doubts are legitimate. People are worried about what this authentication of every human is going to entail. Now, if it's kind of peer to peer authentication, if there is a new way of doing this, awesome. Maybe that's the best possible solution to the problems we have in the social media realm. Maybe it's not. I don't know enough about the issue yet, and I haven't been convinced on one side or the other, so my mind is open to what those possibilities are. It's also entirely possible that having that amount of power, the amount of power that Twitter currently has, is probably too much for one man. I am totally open to that argument. I don't think it's too much power for one man when put against who's actually running it right now and what organizations in the world have the institutional power behind it. Musk is a better alternative than that. It seems to me could be wrong. We'll find out, but it's important not to underestimate what this Twitter thing is. And Darren Beatty went hard on this in the war room yesterday. And I want to share it with you because there's no way I'm going to say it better. So here's Darren Beatty from Revolver.News. For the other audience, Dr. Malone and Rogan was like a, a straight shot of, of oxygen. And so was the Hunter thing. This is what the apparatus is not set up for, Darren Beatty. Once you flood the, once you get the zone flooded with all these stories, all this context, all this data, all this information, once the Revolver, what's on Revolver every day is out there, <laughs> there's no way they keep control and they can't win. They will never let that happen. Is that correct, Darren Beatty? Well, they'll do everything they can to stop it, but it remains to be seen. I think this is one of those things. In 2016, there was basically one person in the country who could have pulled that off, and that was Donald Trump, who had the various attributes that would have been required to win in that fashion. I think there's something analogous here, and that is that Elon Musk is really the only person positioned to pull this off. He hasn't achieved it yet, 
But so far, he's shown every signs of being serious and being successful. He's acquired it. And so now the next stage is to implement the agenda. And so we'll see how well he does it. I really hope he's prepared for what's coming. It's going to be an Armageddon situation if he really attempts to put free speech in the global public square. This is a national security threat. This is a declaration of war on the corrupt and illegitimate stakeholders of our regime. And that right there is the real freak out. That's the real threat. The people at very high levels in the corrupt regime, in the global communist establishment, in our corrupt government, these people understand what Twitter really is and what it really means in the world. The Ari Melbers of the world might have some idea, but they seem to be mostly focused on the tenor of the conversation. Now, Ari Melber, some people refer to him as a pretty bright guy. I'm not one of those people. I don't watch his show enough. I'm not familiar with any work that he's done that means he deserves that sort of reputation. But people say it, and I'll accept it. But do Chuck Todd and Brianna Keeler and Don Lemon understand all of this? They don't seem to. It wouldn't even make sense for them to, really. They just read off the teleprompter. And their tastes and their priorities don't suggest that they are thinking about all of this at a particularly high level. The tone of the conversation may well be the most important thing to them. Or maybe it's all they're capable of talking about, or maybe it's all their audience understands. But the people actually making decisions on a higher level, they have the freak out that Darren Beatty's talking about. They know that the free and open flow of uncensored information is the ultimate end of their regime. Once everyone knows what all of us know, once that knowledge hits critical mass, there's nowhere else for these people to run and hide. We've already, in a very important way, reached that point. We've bypassed the point of no return. I've said before, we're on the other side of the hill. We are in the narrative end game. But that whole battle in there is not going to be complete until we reach like 80, 85, 90 plus percent of a public critical mass of understanding what all this stuff really is and what it means and what it does. I think Darren Beatty is exactly right to call this a national security concern. And you can see things reflected in the world that would speak to this being a national security concern. And I'm going to get to one of those, hopefully, before the end of the show, discussing the Russian ship that was sunk in the Black Sea. Because it seems to me like the regime is trying to provoke some pretty extreme escalation in the kinetic aspect of this war that is currently happening in Ukraine right now. But the people who have used Twitter to commit crimes and to facilitate crimes, they know who they are, right? The journalists who have coordinated with politicians to mislead the American public, for instance, they know who they are. People who have traded child pornography using Twitter as a facilitator, they know who they are. People who have been involved in the worldwide 
human trafficking schemes and drug trafficking schemes using Twitter to facilitate all of that. They know who they are. And so to the extent that Twitter was under regime control, they didn't have to worry about any of that stuff ever becoming public or prosecutable. But does that change once Elon Musk has taken over Twitter? That's the real question right now. And that's what the larger freak out is ultimately about. And it's worth mentioning that the data in people's direct messages on Twitter and their interactions on Twitter, stuff they might have deleted, stuff they would never want any anyone to see. That might be a partial explanation for the people who have begun to delete their profiles like Jamil Jamila or whatever her name is, that Indian actress who is just the most awful woke moron you could ever imagine. Her account's gone. Sean King, the white guy who pretends to be a Black Lives Matter leader and also a black man, freaked out about Elon Musk owning Twitter. He said it was all about white power and white supremacy. Literally, a white guy pretending to be a black guy is mad that a successful African-American man is taking over Twitter. You got that? Black Lives Matter. And I want to take a second to discuss this piece from CNN Business last Thursday. It's by a woman named Jessica Gonzalez, and she is the CEO of an organization called Free Press, and she is the founder of an activist group called Change the Terms Coalition. Here is her description of herself on Free Press. An attorney and racial justice advocate, Jessica advances Free Press's mission of building media and technology that serve truth and justice. A former Lifeline recipient, Jessica has helped fend off grave Trump administration cuts to the program, which subsidizes phone and Internet access for low income people. She was part of the legal team that overturned a Trump FCC decision, blessing runaway media consolidation. Jessica is a leader in the fight to push tech companies to crack down on hate and disinformation. She co-founded Change the Terms, a coalition of more than 60 civil and digital rights groups that works to disrupt online hate, helped lead the Stop Hate for Profit campaign's Facebook advertising boycott, and sits on the real Facebook oversight board. Previously, Jessica was the executive vice president and general counsel at the National Hispanic Media Coalition, where she led the policy shop and coordinated campaigns against racist and xenophobic media programming. Prior to that, she was a staff attorney and teaching fellow at Georgetown Law's Institute for Public Representation. Jessica has testified before Congress on multiple occasions on issues, including net neutrality, media ownership, diversity and affordable Internet access. So there you go left-wing activist, very into the censorship regime, very into the entire communist agenda, in case you had any doubts. When Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter and take it private last week, he wrote that he believed the company needed to be transformed. The next day, Musk took the stage at a TED conference where he criticized the company for what he sees as its lack of free speech, a longtime complaint of his, but suggested that the company should not promote a tweet that was particularly controversial. But what the richest person in the world wants isn't always good for the rest of us. After all, Musk isn't just offering to buy another expensive bauble, but rather a global online community that as of 2019 
included approximately 330 million monthly active users. With control of such a vast online platform comes great responsibility and Musk's ability to be an accountable steward of this massive online community is questionable at best. Okay, so he's the richest person in the world. This isn't just another toy for him to play with. This is the very, very important Twitter that as of three years ago had 330 million monthly active users. Now, why isn't she talking about the daily active users, which are about 60% of that? I've seen it listed between 180 and 210 million daily active users worldwide. That is honestly not that many. And the bulk of the tweets we have seen in many studies are created by about 10% of the people on Twitter. It's something like 90% of the tweets are created by 10% of the users. And we know that those users are the people that shape the public conversation and do so with little blue and on check marks next to their name. You know, if you're on that side of the conversation, if you're not one of them, if you're not fully approved by them, then you don't get your blue little check mark, no matter how public you are, no matter how prominent you are, no matter how many followers you have, and no matter how indisputably that account is actually run by you, you don't get the little seal of approval. Only Blue Anon gets that. But it's worth noting that she is trying to make Twitter sound even more powerful than it is by inflating their user numbers in two ways. They're going back. She's going back to three years ago, the stats from three years ago. Apparently, she can't get the new stats, what with her very important organizations that are all about media and technology. She can't get the updated stats, and she doesn't want to talk about daily users because that would obviously be a lower number. And then that last sentence, his ability to lead Twitter is questionable at best. Well, on what basis? First of all, you're not saying it would be bad because you can't possibly say that. You can't possibly know that. Your intent here is to scare everyone. It is bad for you. It is bad for your agenda. It might be bad for people like you, but that doesn't mean it's bad. His leadership of the company should be based on where he sees the company going, where he takes it, and whether or not he actually returns value. But then again, there aren't any shareholders in the picture anymore. And Elon Musk has said specifically, he's not interested in trying to turn a profit. That's not what this project is about. So really, he's only accountable to the people that use the product and potentially not even them, honestly. And he's accountable to what he sees as the larger agenda. And we can't know that yet. Although if he is to be believed, then the larger agenda is a free and open public square for political and other discourse. Let's hope he sticks to that. Let's hope he's being honest and we'll see. But back to the article. That's why Twitter shareholders should reject Musk's offer. Well, sorry, Jessica, it didn't happen. For one thing, he has a poor track record of protecting other Twitter users and respecting their free speech a poor track record of protecting Twitter users? How is that Elon Musk's responsibility as a private citizen and a user of Twitter? It's not his responsibility to protect other people from the things he says. And apparently, according to Twitter, it's not their responsibility either. Well, either that or Elon Musk hasn't said anything that violates their terms. 
So why do other Twitter users need protection from Elon Musk? He has used the platform to discredit and disparage those who disagree with him. And he has lashed out at journalists who have written or produced things he didn't like. There is your bubble, my friends. You are not allowed to say mean things to journalists, even if they say mean things in public about you that aren't true. They can slander you all day long and you are not allowed to say anything mean to them or else they need protection from you. You are violating the public trust in their very public safe space. You can't disparage those who disagree with you. You can't say their ideas are stupid even when they are. They have every right to disparage you because you're one of the no-no people. Hey, welcome, Elon. You're one of the no-no people now for at least a little while. We shall see. Further, he has used the platform to sow doubt about COVID-19 vaccines, and he has been accused of making false statements about Tesla on Twitter. Oh, accused. Got it. An allegation that resulted in a $40 million settlement with the SEC that required Musk and Tesla to pay $20 million each and Musk to step down as the company's chairman. Musk accepted the deal with the SEC without admitting or denying the allegations of the complaint, according to a court document. You see that Elon Musk is very bad on multiple levels. Now, he's not nice to people on Twitter. He's too rich and his company had to settle over a dispute at some point. Now, Twitter's had to settle over all sorts of disputes at all sorts of points, and many of them having to do with their dishonesty to the SEC, to their shareholders, everyone really. But it's not bad when they do it because Jessica Gonzalez has a line directly into Twitter and she gets to influence public policy as her organizations would suggest. If Musk's incendiary past is Twitter's future, users are right to be worried about the ways the multi-billionaire would attempt to transform the platform should he become its owner. But with or without Musk, Twitter needs to do more to make the platform less toxic for users. And now you get her thesis statement. It doesn't matter what Elon Musk does. It doesn't matter what influence Elon Musk has. What's important is that Twitter is maintained as a tool for censorship. And also notice her use of with or without Musk. She made her whole argument, very, very weak argument and ridiculous premises. That was a terrible argument. But she built that argument up to say how dangerous and bad Twitter might be if Elon Musk takes over. And then she immediately says, with or without Musk, she waffles on her entire argument. She said all those things to make you feel bad and feel scared about Elon Musk. And then she tells you what's really important, maintaining censorship. For the past five years, I've been working with Free Press and the Change the Terms Coalition to protect online communities from content that's intended to mislead or incite violence. She's protecting online communities. And if you ask her to define that, she'll go further and she'll say that we know about the harms to marginalized communities online, to women, to people of color, to Muslims, to the transgendered to the LGBTQ plus IIA plus plus community. I think all those letters are actually in there. I wasn't even trying to make a joke right there. I just wanted to make sure that I got all the letters. 
And by the way, I was recently informed that the Q stands for two things. It's queer and questioning. And check this out. The T means three things. Transgender, transsexual, and two-spirit. It's crazy that no one has ever noticed how transphobic it is to make trans people share their letter with two-spirit people. I mean, obviously, that's oppression of some sort. But all these people need to be protected online, and they need to be protected from content that Jessica Gonzalez decides is intended right? She knows the intent of the person who posted the content. It's intended to mislead people or incite violence. It sounds like Jessica Gonzalez is worried about all her communist work going up in smoke. Specifically, we've called on prominent social media platforms to step up efforts to remove bigotry and conspiracy theories that are harmful to our information ecosystem threaten public health and safety and undermine democracy. So you've got it all there. The ecosystem, that means it's bad for the environment. Public health, well, that's just like COVID. And safety, well, that's violence. So if you threaten someone's emotional safety, that's emotional violence. So really with that, with all that and with bigotry and conspiracy theories, now they can eliminate everything that they don't like everything that doesn't serve their agenda. She just lists them all off. We need to eliminate every platform of all these things. And once we all agree to that, once we all say, yeah, all those things do sound very, very bad. Hopefully we'll eliminate all of those. Now tell me what each one of them is. And that definition will probably expire in a day or two. Once they change it, once they update it, once they reinterpret reality for us once again, we'll have new slogans and new rules, and it'll be our duty to repeat them. And if we refuse to repeat them, well, we're not allowed on Twitter. In the past, we have pressured Twitter to be more transparent about its moderation methods and fear that Musk taking the company private would make Twitter even less accountable to its users and the public. Well, yeah, okay. I guess that's possible, but Twitter is not accountable to its users and the public right now. Every couple of years, they go appear and they testify in front of the House or the Senate and nothing happens. They get all the questions in advance. They do their calls via Zoom so they can read their computer responses from their lawyers and just read those right into the record. They're so accountable. Whether or not Musk succeeds in his takeover bid, Twitter would do well to heed these three recommendations. Twitter needs to fix algorithms and other systems that promote the most incendiary and hateful content, including incitements to violence. It also needs to do more to remove disinformation along with bias from all its systems, which it claims to be doing. But an internal study recently found that its algorithms amplified tweets from right-wing accounts over those of the left in six out of seven countries studied. Now, This is one of those issues that is continually misunderstood, okay? And it's misunderstood in a very stupid way that even Biden voters should be able to figure out, okay? They always say that conservative content is pushed up in the feeds too high. Well, there's a reason for that. Conservative content is more based on truth. Even mainstream conservative content is more based on truth than what 
mainstream Democrat content is based on because middle of the road conservatives at least know some real normal things about life, whereas the rest of the mainstream knows absolutely nothing. It is insane. Their worldview does not touch on reality almost at all anymore. Enough to like get them through the day and keep them fed with a roof over their head. And that is where it stops. There is no other reality inside the central narrative for people looking at things from that perspective. But these studies will constantly show that people like Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino consistently rise to the top in all these various feeds, whether on Facebook or Twitter or wherever else. And while I'm sure that they probably buy ads and stuff to help boost their ratings and their statistics and their listeners and their audience. They're also getting natural engagement and people are resharing their content because their content reflects reality in a way that the content from the left does not. Ari Melber went out on television last night and told all of the child brains what Twitter is capable of and pretended that it's never happened before and it might happen to their detriment once Elon Musk takes over. Who is going to share that content except us so we can laugh at it? There's not some big audience of child-brained Biden voters that can't wait for Ari Melber's content because they think it's going to convince the other side. They're trying to share the truth with people. That's not going to happen. And so people like Jessica Gonzalez ignore all of that, and they think there must be something in the algorithm that's pushing up this conservative content. The conservative content keeps winning no matter what we do. That means we need to keep oppressing it more and more and more. And to justify that obvious censorship, she brings in all of the ists and phobes and everything else that the content could be. It's bigoted and violent. It's inciting violence. The content itself isn't violence, but don't you see how this story about Leah Thomas, the college guy that won the women's swimming tournament? Can't you see how that could be used to incite violence? We have to censor that now. Leah Thomas is a strong, brave, beautiful woman, and you have to believe it or you can't talk anymore. Because every time you talk, it incites violence. Second, Twitter must protect its users equally. On several occasions, I have met to discuss with executives at Twitter and other big tech firms and found that social media platforms are woefully understaffed when it comes to human vetting of non-English disinformation. And their artificial intelligence-driven filters are designed primarily to sift through English content. It's likely that those who use a social media platform in any other language are subject to more of the sort of disinformation about local elections, healthcare, and other matters that is ultimately harmful to their communities. You got that? People in other countries who speak other languages, their elections are in danger from more free speech. Whereas our elections are very safe and very secure because we've got this censorship thing in place. Now, don't worry. The censors are going to take care of everything. They'll make sure that you have a comfortable experience no matter where you go. And if you ignore the censors, if you just let them do their work, if you just sit back and relax, try to not get upset, the censors will take care of it. 
Eventually, you'll be fully confident all the time. You'll know that the sensors have your back, and then you can just turn your brain off altogether. Focus on the Kardashians. Focus on LeBron James. Focus on the Oscars. Did you see that man hit the other man? And he didn't even get in trouble. Because the comedian who got slapped, well, he incited violence with his words. Your violence against him, but still, he was inciting violence. Third, Twitter must be more transparent about its amplification and moderation practices. The company has made some steps in this direction, but still has a lot of work to do. That means making it easier for independent auditors and researchers to investigate whether the company is adhering to its commitments to safeguard elections, combat disinformation, and keep people safe. Twitter's committed to all those things. What happens if Elon Musk gets there and Twitter takes away its commitment to safeguard elections? And what does she mean by safeguarding elections? Well, taking down Hunter Biden's laptop, the New York Post story, for instance, they safeguarded an election with that, didn't they? Hey, Jessica, you're a communist. During a TED event last week, Musk proposed making Twitter's algorithms open source so people can look through it and say, I see a problem here. I don't agree with this. And they can highlight issues, suggest changes. But we don't believe crowdsourcing content moderation in this way will curtail harmful content that's often targeted at minority populations, women, and marginalized groups. People who are underrepresented in the sorts of tech communities that are most likely to engage in an open source process. You see that? They don't want decentralization. They don't want to crowdsource content moderation. They do not accept the will of the majority. And of course they don't. They're communists. They understand that the majority is somehow beneath them. The majority is incapable of speaking to one another, to reaching consensus, and then to using its own voice, to implementing its own policies. Because they're stupid. They're backwards. They're bigots. They're homophobes and Islamophobes. They're misogynists and patriarchs. They're white supremacists. They're QAnons. Everything bad we can think of, that's these people. The experts are who should be in charge of the censorship that we no longer even hide. We are proud of our censorship. We are proud of the censorship regime. We are proud of the propaganda we put out that supports the censorship regime. It works hand in hand, and this is how the whole world makes sense. This is how the false reality is perpetuated. We can't have content moderation by the actual people that use the platform. They're going to make all the wrong decisions. The majority always does. We have to protect Twitter and our ability to censor and to propagandize because we're protecting our democracy. That's what they say. It's their democracy they're protecting. They can't be subject to the will of the people. What kind of democracy do you think they're running? The real question is, how long will even their supporters continue to believe that what they're doing is upholding democracy? They are the absolute direct threat to democracy. You should imagine Jessica Gonzalez as some mid-level manager on the Death Star. She just exists 
to get information and keep pushing it up the chain and saying, hey, this is how we can make the Death Star a little stronger. This is how we're going to censor a little better. Hey, here's this. I've written an entire white paper on why you need to censor opinions on X or Y or Z, whatever it is. She is part of the organization that makes the Death Star more powerful. Her number one priority is restricting people's freedom of speech. Okay, that is what this woman does for a living. She figures out ways to restrict people's freedom of speech. Our First Amendment. All right. If there was ever a birthright passed down for the great fortune of having been born in America, it is the right to free speech, free thought and free assembly. And people like Jessica Gonzalez are employed to take that away from the American public. And she's not even ashamed about it. And by the way, it's worth noting that yesterday Twitter's source code was locked so that employees couldn't access it before that happened. We think that source code was uploaded onto a GitHub and I'm not sure what all the results are, but I know that people have accessed that and have captured that. So I guess there's some sense in which it's already open source code. Got to see how that thing develops again. I don't know enough about this at this point, but I know that came up yesterday and I know that there are some cyber people who are already looking at this and have their eyes on it. The success of Twitter or any mass market platform will ultimately require making sure that users enjoy their time on the platform and don't feel threatened by others. That requires expertise in moderating things like glorification and incitement of violence, the spread of disinformation, sexual harassment and abuse, and other hateful activities. And it requires extending these protections to all users and not just a privileged few. Oh, well, that's interesting coming from the person who is all for censorship and people like me being banned from these platforms. Here's all that's required for users to not feel threatened. The block button. Just block people. Then you don't have to be threatened. Or you could act like an adult and understand that somebody giving an opinion you don't like is not a threat to you. Now, direct threats are entirely different and there are ways to handle those. But we don't need to censor the possibility that someone might feel threatened by certain content. Therefore, anything that resembles that content in any way must be taken down. That is a crazy standpoint. Twitter must heed the call to change its terms of service so the platform isn't weaponized against women, people of color, members of the LGBTQIA plus community and other marginalized groups. We should also get real about Musk's brand of free speech absolutism. It's a philosophy often trumpeted by rich white men, those who haven't experienced the chilling effect that online hate and disinformation have on people with far fewer privileges. This is why shareholders should reject Musk's offer. Yes, this deal is about a lot more than just money. It's about protecting civil and human rights, public health and safety and democracy. Okay, Jessica. Hey, what is a more important civil and human right than the freedom of speech? I'll wait. Oh, you don't have an answer because there is nothing more important. Great. Thank you. Why are you so for 
taking away people's civil and human rights like mine, for instance. And by the way, if people are having their civil and human rights systematically stripped from them and there's nothing they can do about it except hope to regain power and influence through fraudulent elections, which people are being oppressed. And now we have Jessica Gonzalez and Ari Melber both stating really clearly that free speech absolutism is a very dangerous philosophy. And they're acting like it's a philosophy that only stupid and ignorant and angry and bitter and bigoted people actually care about. Free speech absolutism is the standard. And any adjustment to that standard is something that the society should decide for themselves. And that's if you want to argue that there should be any restrictions at all. And I wouldn't argue that. I think you have to let people say and do what they're going to say and do. And then it's your responsibility to determine whether or not that's something you want to speak up about or associate with or argue against. You are allowed to judge people for their behavior. What you're not allowed to do is preemptively restrict their behavior because you think something they might do might be something you don't like. And one of the funniest things is they've actually lost one of their primary arguments already. You know, they're very afraid of Donald Trump coming back onto Twitter. They don't want anybody to allow Donald Trump back on Twitter. But Donald Trump has now said that he is not going back on Twitter, even if Elon Musk allows him to. He's going to stay on Truth Social and Donald Trump's going to begin posting on Truth Social within the next now six days. Yesterday, he said seven. So by Monday of next week, we should see Donald Trump active on Truth Social. And in just a second, we're going to get to what some of that might look like. A bit of speculation, and we can see if I'm right in the future. So what are they going to do about this? This is from Breitbart today. UK demands Elon Musk keeps Twitter responsible by censoring content. A spokesman for UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has demanded that Elon Musk keeps Twitter, quote unquote, responsible through content censorship. Authorities in the United Kingdom are demanding that Twitter follows the country's censorship laws when it comes under the control of its new owner, Elon Musk. Musk, who is self-identified as a free speech absolutist, has said that his aims are to increase the transparency of the platform he acquired for around $44 billion, while also noting that free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy. However, while some have celebrated the forthcoming Silicon Valley regime change, authorities in Britain appear to be afraid that the takeover may get in the way of their forthcoming program of enhanced online censorship. Regardless of ownership, all social media platforms must be responsible. The Times reports a spokesman for Prime Minister Boris Johnson as saying regarding the purchase. It's crazy the spokesman can't even be named. That includes protecting users from harm on their sites. The spokesman continued, it is too early to say what, if any changes will be made to how Twitter operates. Britain already has in place strict censorship laws requiring social media companies to take down content that states authorities deem to be illegal once such content is brought to their attention. 
However, the so-called conservative party government has recently expanded its censorious aims to tackle what it deems to be harmful content on social media and is now preparing to pass the so-called online harms bill, which will soon require platforms to preemptively censor legal but harmful content or face massive fines. Under the proposed legislation, social media companies would be put at the mercy of the country's media regulator, Ofcom, which would ban the likes of Twitter from allowing harmful content on their platform, including so-called hate speech. It should be noted that in the eyes of the government, hate speech is defined as, quote, all forms of expression which spread, incite, promote, or justify hatred based on intolerance on the grounds of disability, ethnicity, social origin, gender, sex, gender reassignment, nationality, race, religion or belief, sexual orientation, color, genetic features, language, political or any other opinion, membership of a national minority, property, birth or age. <laughs> Wow, man. Wow. Companies who refuse to bow to British censorship after the passing of the online harms bill will be liable for fines of up to 10% of their global turnover with the bosses of such enterprises facing sanctions up to and including jail time if they refuse to appease the home of Big Brother. Another senior UK politician, London Mayor Sadiq Khan, has also made demands for more censorship on social media platforms under the auspices of fighting prejudice. And then just jumping down to save time, Thierry Breton, the European Union czar for its internal market, has demanded that Musk also play ball with his bloc's rules and regulations, including those in relation to the censorship of unwanted ideas. Elon, there are rules, the Financial Times reports Breton as saying. You are welcome, but these are our rules. It's not your rules which will apply here. Anyone who wants to benefit from this market will have to fulfill our rules, the EU bigwig reportedly continued. The board of Twitter will have to make sure that if it operates in Europe, it will have to fulfill the obligations, including moderation, open algorithms, freedom of speech, transparency and rules, obligations to comply with our own rules for hate speech, revenge porn and harassment. If Twitter does not comply with our law, there are sanctions, 6% of the revenue. And if they continue banned from operating in Europe, the EU bureaucrat went on to threaten. Okay, well, how in the world are they going to enforce that on a private citizen on an internet platform? And if they possibly could, then Elon Musk could just say, well, fine. The citizens of the UK can't use Twitter then. It's the government doing it, not me. I'm going to have a 100% free speech platform. And if world governments don't like it, then their citizens can't participate in Twitter. And we'll see how that goes. Elon Musk is going to win that battle. And in doing so, he's just going to further expose the censorship regime for what it actually is. But it's funny because what they are trying to do is specifically different than what Jessica Gonzalez wants to do. Jessica Gonzalez thinks she's going to grab a woke army and lead them to force Elon Musk through public outcry to change what he plans to do with Twitter. Now, that seems like a very, very stupid and pointless attempt to achieve their goal of censorship. And it might not work at all. And 
I'm about to get into why I think it might not work at all. But in the absence of that, what they're trying to do is now censor at a government level before they didn't have to worry as much about this because these world governments were intertwined in the same agenda that Twitter's board was helping them to fulfill. The censorship regime was in good hands and now it's in unknown hands. So the response for the governments who are very scared of the free and open exchange of uncensored ideas within a free marketplace of ideas, they need to figure out a way to stop this, to stop their citizens from ever being exposed to the open marketplace of ideas. What would happen if British citizens were fully aware of what their government has done to them over the last few years and in truth much longer, just like everywhere else? Well, I imagine the regime in power would be under grave threat at that point. This does represent an existential crisis to all of them. As Darren Beatty says, in a sense, this is a national security risk. He was using it literally, and he's exactly right about that. But also in a more figurative sense, speaking to the threat to the global evil twins grasp on power for them, however, they see themselves as being the nation. This is a national security threat to them on all levels. They are about to potentially lose the information war forever. That's an existential threat, no matter how you slice it up. But here's the thing. These government regulations also might not work. If Elon Musk is doing what a lot of people think he's doing, and I will flat out admit, I have a novice understanding of this stuff at this point, and I'm trying to learn just right along the way. And I'm trying to share with you what I learned and what I think that might look like in the future. And I think one really important thing to talk about is Twitter's project blue sky. And I've been meaning to bring this up for a couple of weeks now, but this is a very, very interesting idea. And it seems like it could be exactly what Elon Musk is going after. And it may explain Trump's relationship with Truth Social and how that relates to Twitter. So let's see what Project Blue Sky is. This is from Decrypt.co. This was just written yesterday by Jeff Benson. Decentralized Twitter Project Blue Sky says it's unaffected by Elon Musk purchase. Back in late 2019, when Jack Dorsey was still CEO of Twitter, he set in motion a plan to, quote, develop an open and decentralized standard for social media, end quote, that would explore elements of crypto and Web3. That effort, which came to be called Blue Sky, gained steam in 2021 with a January ecosystem review of decentralized social apps and the August appointment of Zcash veteran developer Jay Graber as its lead. Today, Blue Sky took to Twitter, the platform soon to be privately owned by mega billionaire Elon Musk, to clarify that it's independent of the social media site and has been a public benefit limited liability company since February. The public benefit part of our structure gives us the freedom to put our resources toward our mission without an obligation to return money to shareholders, it tweeted. The company is owned by the team itself without any controlling stake held by Twitter. According to Blue Sky, where Dorsey remains a board member, it has $13 million in funding to, quote, ensure we have the freedom and independence to get started on R&D, end quote. 
In other words, it's somewhat beyond Musk's reach, even though the Tesla CEO just paid $44 billion for Twitter and has plans to improve it from removing spam and minimizing content moderation to potentially introducing crypto payments. Blue Sky has taken inspiration from a number of crypto projects, including IPFS, a protocol that allows for peer-to-peer file sharing, to the basic attention token that incentivizes brave browser readers to watch ads. Dorsey, however, is a Bitcoin maximalist. Now focused solely on leading payments company Block, Dorsey has overseen Cash App's incorporation of Bitcoin purchases and greenlit a decentralized exchange that uses Bitcoin, not Ethereum or other smart contract enabled blockchains. The company is also developing Bitcoin mining rigs. By contrast, Musk, though he cozied up to Bitcoin when Tesla bought $1.5 billion in Bitcoin for its books, is more enamored of Dogecoin. He's been working with that blockchain's part-time developers to make it into a payment network that surpasses Bitcoin. But Blue Sky's message today is clear. It will, quote, work toward our vision of a durable protocol for public conversation no matter what happens, end quote, or who's in charge. Now, again, from a totally novice perspective, right? I'm very tuned in with social media and used to work at a social media management company for celebrities and athletes and brands. I think I've mentioned that on the podcast before, and I'm pretty much a noob with crypto, although I've had some investments in there for the last year or so that I mess around with. I pay a lot of attention to it, but I don't understand all of it by any stretch, and I'm not sure anyone does. So with that said, what could all of this mean? Now, Blue Sky operates independently from Elon Musk and from Twitter. We've got that. Okay, that makes sense. There are reports, by the way, that Elon Musk is not actually taking over Twitter until the fall. And I really want to find out more about that because I wonder if that takeover is going to be enacted perhaps after the midterm elections. And we're going to be told that that is to appease the communists in some sort of way. I hope that is not the scenario we're looking at, and I hope that Elon Musk will actually uncensor Twitter before then, but that remains to be seen. Regardless, what's really intriguing is if Twitter actually decentralizes in some way and that this project Blue Sky is a part of that. I talked, I was on Sean Morgan's show, Making Sense of the Madness on American Media Periscope yesterday. You can actually watch that. I was on for the full hour. It's in the info stream. You can just search in the info stream, t.me slash I'm your moderator. Click the icon in the upper right corner. Click the three dots. Click search. Type in Sean Morgan, S-E-A-N, and you will find my appearance on there. I discussed this a little bit. But if Twitter becomes a decentralized platform and Twitter becomes something of a clearinghouse for Internet content, right? If Twitter just exists to host content from Twitter, but also from elsewhere, then there can really be no censorship on Twitter. You would follow the people you follow, right? Let's say you follow me on Twitter at I'm your moderator on Twitter. If they ever restart my account, right? I'm not going to go back to Twitter and be a full-time user. 
I will go back there for a little bit and just go down the list like Arya Stark, making sure that all of the relevant communists know how dumb they still are. I'm not going to be able to resist. Is it a good quality in me? Hey, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder. If you want some kamikaze information warrior that is absolutely relishing the opportunity to go head to head with all of these fake intellectuals that still believe COVID was very dangerous and Ukraine are our friends and that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. Well, hey, I'm your guy. Sign me up. I'm going to go on an absolute carpet bombing mission for probably a week and maybe a month. But once that ends, right? Once that ends, let's say my Twitter feed is my Twitter posts, my truth social posts, my getter posts, my rumble posts, my telegram posts, my gab posts. And you can just go on down the list and everything just pops right up there in Twitter. And anybody who follows me on Twitter sees all of that content from all of these other sites. And so that is an entirely different model for Twitter than what we have right now. And it sounds to me like that's what Project Blue Sky is aimed at accomplishing. And so Donald Trump could stay only on Truth Social, but his Truth Social posts could easily appear on Twitter. And they could be in my feed. You might see Donald Trump's posts in my feed. Maybe there's an official Donald Trump account on Twitter that simply reposts his truth social posts. And maybe truth social is a more closed and bubbled environment. And maybe those sorts of platforms arise on the left too. And they're not dependent on Twitter and they will keep themselves in like the Huffington post social media app or on Hillary Clinton's own social media startup that she manages from death row. <laughs> That could happen. And they would all just show up on Twitter. If you're following that person's content, it will pull it in from wherever they are posting. Now, that would be a very interesting situation because we have existed in an environment that says you are on Facebook or you are on Twitter or you are on one of the other social media platforms. You're on Instagram. You're on Snapchat. You're wherever you are. If you're in the mainstream, you're not on any of the new social media platforms. You're only on the legacy social media platforms. And the fact that you have to be a member of those platforms to post content on those platforms, and generally speaking, to see content on those platforms, that means you are always required to abide by the rules of that platform, to be governed by their terms of service. And their terms of service say that they can censor you anytime they want and delete you at any time they want. And their updated terms of service as of the end of 2020 say that you can't even join a class action lawsuit against you, no matter how badly they violate your rights. That is what you sign up for by continuing to use those platforms under their terms of service. Now, if Twitter doesn't have that and Facebook's content appears on Twitter and Snapchat's content can appear on Twitter or any of these other sites, it's all on Twitter. Twitter is the clearinghouse. You use Twitter to follow whoever you want. You see their content from all of the places they post content. Well, then where is the power of the other social media platforms? What happens to Facebook's power? 
Do they say that their content is going to be made exclusive to Facebook and then hope that people will just continue using Facebook? Facebook was shedding users a long time ago. What happens if Instagram doesn't have bots anymore? That's not necessarily a fallout result of this, but what would happen? What would happen? The people on there who are influencing culture every day only care about attention. That's why they're still on there. They don't care that they're tracked. They don't care that Instagram is a literal tool for their own demoralization, for their own continued nudging into a life of only materialism, hyper materialism. These people are not prepared to live in a social media environment like that, whereas all of us would welcome it. I'm not scared of the ideas of the other side. I would debate any of those clowns on any debate stage, any time, and I will utterly tear them to shreds. I cannot wait until I am given that opportunity, but they don't want to talk to us. They don't want to talk to us at all because they know the weakness of their own positions. And so Twitter, if it is the way I imagine it might be, especially if they involve payment systems and all sorts of other stuff, truly amazing stuff, potentially, as long as it's not captured by globalist organizations, right? Like if Twitter ends up facilitating the uh, global cashless digital central bank currency, that's bad, all right? Unless it does that among a slew of other options, if people want to use a currency that tracks them, well, that's fine. And if businesses want to use that currency, well, that's fine too. We'll build our secondary economies and we are not going to care at all because we will win. We have the majorities. We are a vast, vast majority. You have to understand that. All that matters is people waking up. Once people are awake, they are on our side and people continue to awaken. Sure, there are people who push themselves further and further into the false reality. Forget about them. Or you can continue to try to wake them up if you still have hope for them. More power to you. But we are a massive majority. Our parallel economies will work. None of this should be feared. If Twitter is how I am imagining it, and again, could be totally wrong. But what we really have at that point is essentially a public utility. All right. We're hearing over and over and over again. Twitter is now privately owned by Elon Musk. Well, Twitter is a private company, we are told. And that's why they receive their Section 230 protections. They're not a government entity, but they were also publicly held, right? They were on the stock market. Their company is supposed to be working for the benefit of their shareholders. A business has a fiduciary duty to increase profit for its owners. That is their number one responsibility beyond all else. And Twitter has proven it doesn't care about that. With the gun to their head, they said, okay, fine, we'll accept this purchase. So Twitter was private, but it's publicly held. We're told it's a private company, which is why the government can't influence it in any real way. In fact, the government works with Twitter to censor people, which is why they don't want to get rid of any of the protections, why they're not going to do anything about social media. But now Elon Musk has made Twitter once again a privately held company by him and only him. 
He has said he doesn't care about profit. He says he wants humans to be authenticated on there. There is a bad way that could go for sure. But if people are authenticated in some sort of peer-to-peer way or some sort of blockchain way, again, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I'm pretty sure that's possible, then maybe we've moved into a different and better future for social media. Not sold on the idea, but it's possible. If he wants to decentralize, wonderful. If all this stuff is decentralized and uncensorable, then essentially Twitter is only the public square. And Elon Musk may ostensibly own it, and he has certainly a support system in there that will maintain it. But if these people are actually working for the public good, then Twitter, for all intents and purposes, is effectively already made into a public utility. If they can't restrict access and they're not violating the First Amendment, then principally, what is the difference? If Twitter is posting Donald Trump's posts from Truth Social, then Donald Trump can't be taken down off Twitter. So again, I'm not sure this is happening, but if this does happen, the Jessica Gonzalez problem, the Ari Melber problem, the UK censorship problem, those just might not apply at all. So what does the UK do? Do they go to the app stores and say people are not allowed to have Twitter? Well, hey, good luck, but it seems like they're destined for failure. I wanted to get to some Hunter Biden stuff today and some Ukraine stuff, but we didn't get there. We'll get more of it. We have time. And man, oh man, imagine what's going to happen to the show if all the censorship is gone. In the meantime, keep sharing it. And by the way, guys, I am actually in the process of setting up a little uh, studio area for myself for streaming and for recording live videos and stuff. So I know I've been promising this forever, but I actually am going to have a video element at some point soon. And it's not going to be this show because the truth is there's absolutely no way that I could do this show on video without a big team of people who are ready to edit super fast. No chance whatsoever. So I'm open to all suggestions about what you all would like to see. Hit me up on Telegram or wherever else. And before I go, I just want to mention the great American company, MyPillow, and the great American patriot, Mike Lindell, who is not only doing everything in his power to save our country and eliminate election fraud, He is also the maker of great American products. You can go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code reasonable and get big sales on everything you might buy there. The Giza dream sheets, the pillows, the mattress pad, the towels, the slippers, do it all promo code reasonable. And they're even going to send you a free gift. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network masks and lockdowns. Don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic, and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app, 
and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!